Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Back in February of 2004, so that's a while back, CNN covered a story about a man with stomach pain. And the reporter, here's what he said. French doctors were taken aback when they discovered the reason for the patient's sore and swollen belly. He had swallowed around 350 coins, $650 worth. As the story went, this guy was 62 years old. He went to an emergency room in western France. The man had a history of psychiatric illness. His family had told the doctors that he sometimes swallowed coins and a few had been removed from his stomach in, in prior hospital visits. Still, doctors were astounded at what they saw on the x-ray. There was this enormous opaque mass in the patient's stomach that weighed, get this, that weighed 12 pounds. It was so heavy, they said, that it forced his stomach down between his hips. Five days after his arrival, doctors cut him open and removed his badly damaged stomach and its contents. But the man died a few days later from complications. Doctors said that he was suffering from a rare illness that makes people want to eat money. I have a name for that rare illness. It's called insanity. And we read stories like that one. You can look it up. It's a real story. It, it happened. We read stories like, like that one, and we think to ourselves, what in the world would make someone do that? But I have a question for you to consider tonight, and maybe we should all ask ourselves. What makes us do some of the things we do with money? What makes us do some of the things we do with money? In our text, Solomon shares with us what he had learned about money. Now, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, you know we're studying verse by verse through the book of Ecclesiastes. And when you study through a book verse by verse, you preach the next verse in the next book. And so you don't get to pick and choose what subjects you're going to address. You just address whatever subjects are in the verses. Tonight happens to be the subject of money. And Solomon shares with us what he had learned about money. And in case someone would ask tonight, well, what are his qualifications for speaking so authoritatively on money? Well, keep in mind that it has been estimated 
that his yearly income in today's money would be in the neighborhood of five to ten billion dollars. How many of you think he probably knew something about money? Absolutely. Listen, that is some serious cash. A synopsis of what Solomon has to tell us in these verses is that money is not the answer. Well, Pastor, not the answer to what? It's not the answer to anything. Now, Brother Tyler preached last Wednesday night, and it's the first time he'd preached downstairs on Wednesday night in a long time. And he was getting on to you hard about not amening. And so after church, I just walked on the platform and I said, Welcome to Wednesday night. <laughs> now, I'm not going to beat you over the head, but it shouldn't be that way. If we're going to amen on Sunday morning and Sunday night, we ought to amen on Wednesday night. This is church. This is the preaching of the Word of God. And if you agree with some, say amen. If you don't agree with some, keep it to yourself. <laughs> Money's not the answer to anything, church. But sadly, it doesn't seem to matter how many times people hear that, they keep returning to it when they have problems. A man's marriage fails. And so he wonders if maybe a bigger house would have made his wife happy. A woman gets depressed. And so she goes out and she charges her credit card to the hilt. They're losing their kids. And so mom and dad run out and, and shower them with gifts. I'm going to say it again. Money is not the answer. In the verses before us, Solomon shatters five money myths. And we'll look at those tonight, and then we're going to spend some time at the close of the service praying for Friend Day. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have already prayed for Friend Day. If you got the card on Sunday, you know that that's what we were supposed to do today. I hope you have. But if you've gotten busy or forgot to do it, then we're going to have the opportunity to do that at the close of the service. And here's, here's the first myth that uh, Solomon puts to rest. We'll call it the prosperity myth. The prosperity myth says that if we can just make a little more money, then we'll be satisfied. Here's how Solomon attacks that myth. Look at verse 10, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Listen, it doesn't make any difference how much money a person puts in the bank. Listen to me, the human heart was made to be satisfied by only one thing, and that one thing is a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to these words from the autobiography of Lee Iacocca. 
Now those of my age and older uh, would be familiar with who Lee Iacocca was. He said, here I am in the twilight years of my life, still wondering what it's all about. I can tell you this, fame and fortune are for the birds. Lee Iacocca was not a pauper. He was a Chrysler guy. He was, he was wealthy. The psalmist said in Psalm 62.10, If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Why? Because riches do not satisfy. Some of you may have heard the name Uncle Bud Robinson. Uncle Bud Robinson was a well-known holiness preacher of, of an earlier generation. And one time Uncle Bud was taken to New York City and he was given a tour of the city and, and, and shown all of the sights of the city. And it said that that night in his prayers, he prayed this, Lord, thank you for letting me see all the sights of New York. And I thank you most of all that I didn't see anything that I wanted. Don't forget that Jesus said, listen, man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. I hope as you sit here tonight that your life has more meaning than the stuff you have. Someone once asked, why do we make ourselves miserable over what has no track record of satisfying? I wish we could be like Paul, who said this, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, and that's the key word in these verses, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Wow, how did, Paul, how did Paul come to, to that place in his life where he was content? I said it. He learned to be content. Contentment is a learned virtue. We learn to be happy with what we have. It's just that simple. So first of all, we have the prosperity myth that says the more I have, if I can just have a little more, then I'll be satisfied. Solomon blows that myth plumb up. But here's the second myth tonight. It's the security myth. Not just the prosperity myth, but there is the security myth. Look at verse 11. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof saving the beholding of them with their eyes. The security myth says, if I can just get more money, then I'll be secure. 
But Solomon says that the problem with getting more money is that there's more to spend it on. That's what he says. Author William McDonald says this, when a man's possessions increase, it seems there's a corresponding increase in the number of parasites who live off him. Management consultants, tax advisors, accountants, lawyers, household employers, and he threw this in there for good measure, and sponging relatives. <laughs> you think that's not true? You go home tonight and Google stories of people who won the lottery. That right there is true. All of a sudden, people come out of the woodwork that these people haven't seen in ages. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm sure there are some, but I have never read a successful lottery winning story. Now, as soon as you go and Google one, you're going to text me the link tonight, and I'll be happy, I'll read it, but the ones I've read don't end well. They just don't end well. Why? Because of the exact thing that we're talking about tonight. The prosperity myth. The security myth. And then look at verse 12. There's the tranquility myth. And again, Solomon just blows it out of the water. You say, preacher, what's the tranquility myth? It's this. It says, if I can just get more money then I won't have any worries. And right now, it seems like all I worry about is how I'm going to pay for this, and how I'm going to pay for that, and how we're going to do this, and how we're going to do that. Man, if I could just get more money, then I wouldn't have any of these worries. Can I just tell you tonight, myth is a, is a kind word. It's really a lie. That's a lie. Look what Solomon said in verse 12. You still with me? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. Look at this. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. That's, that's not Pastor Prater. That's Solomon, the richest man who ever lived during his day and time. That's what he said. Let me throw out a scenario to you tonight. Let's say that, that you're living in San Diego County, California. And a wildfire breaks out. Isn't that tragic what's going on there? Uh, you, you see these people losing everything. And, and listen, I'm not a fan of California, but my heart goes out to those people. That's, a, that's terrible. But let's say that you're living in San Diego County and a wildfire breaks out and, and it's approaching your neighborhood. And let's say you were ordered to evacuate, but they gave you a few minutes to collect all of your valuables and then evacuate your home. Two questions tonight. 
How long would it take to gather? And number two, what would it take to haul it? Fire's coming. Can't stop it. Your house is going to go up in smoke. You're given some time before you have to evacuate to gather some valuables. Question number one, how long would it take? And number two, what would it take to haul it? Now that's not just a hypothetical situation. That really happened to Pastor David Jeremiah. And driving down the hill from his home, he said he turned to his wife, Donna, and he said, do you realize it only took us 10 minutes to collect our valuables? Everything else is just stuff. Think about that. He said it took us 10 minutes. If Jeremiah pastors Shadow Mountain Church in the San Diego area. I don't know what all we'd gather after we gathered up Beverly. I don't know what we'd take. I thought about this today. I, I figured Katie would want pictures off the wall of our kids, especially of TJ. She won her Afghan that got TJ's picture on it. There'd be some, some other things, I guess. Now, if we were hauling shoes, <laughs> it'd take a big mu haul. We had lots of shoes in our closet, and they are not mine. Now, if we're, if we're loading neckties, that'd be a big truck, too kind of a tie guy. If you need a tie, let me know. Hit me up. I'll give you some. But he said, do you realize it only took 10 minutes to collect our valuables? Everything else is just stuff. He went on to say that when you, he went on to say this, when you can fit all of your life's valuables in the backseat of your car, you can sleep well at night because you've cut down your worry field. Talking about the tranquility myth. The tranquility myth says, if I can just get more money, I won't have any worries. The late Joe Lewis, world heavyweight boxing champion, used to say this. He said, I, I, I don't like money actually, but it quiets my nerves. Solomon said that possessing wealth is no guarantee that your nerves will be calm or your sleep will be sound. Listen to the psalmist's words in Psalm 4, verse 8. He said this, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Church, listen to me tonight. When our faith is in the Lord. The one who said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. 
we can get a sweet night's rest. It is said of John D. Rockefeller that when he was 53 years old, he was the world's only billionaire. His income was $1 million a week. But he was a sick man who lived on crackers and milk and could not sleep because he worried so much about his money. But then the story of his life says that eventually he learned how to give money away and his health improved radically. Listen to this. As a philanthropist, he lived to celebrate his 98th birthday. <laughs> I guess we could learn from his life that it's okay to have things money can buy as long as you don't lose the things that money can't buy. Can I say that again? It's okay, and I'll talk about this more in a minute. It's okay to have things that money can buy. But it's a terrible tragedy when a person has none of the things that money can't buy. I know you've heard this before. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy insurance, but not safety. Money can buy a clock, but not time. Money can buy a book, but not knowledge. Money can buy people, but not friends. Money can buy position, but not respect. Money can buy sex, but not love. Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. So there is the tranquility myth that says, if I can just have more money, more things, then I won't have near as much to worry about. No, Solomon said this, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. Myth number four, we'll call it the eternity myth. The eternity myth says that money will last forever. Say, well, people, preacher, people don't believe that. Well, evidently they did because Solomon puts it in his book. And he teaches us about that. He teaches us that it's a myth. So evidently there were people in his day at least who were believing that. Look at verse 13. He said, there is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun. Namely, riches kept for the owners thereof, look at this, to their hurt. But those riches perish. By evil travail. And he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. Look at verse 15. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. 
And look at this next phrase. And shall take nothing. Everybody say nothing. And shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil. That in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Well, Solomon kind of blows that one out of the water, doesn't he? The eternity myth. That money lasts forever? <laughs> he says, you came out of your mama naked, and you're going back to the ground naked. Now, I hope not. <laughs> unless it's a closed casket. I think what he means there is with nothing. Some things you just can't unsee. There was a man who worked all of his life, saved as much money as he could. I mean, this guy loved his money more than anything. And when he died, he said to his wife, when I die, I want you to take all of my money and I want you to put it in the casket with me. And his wife promised that she would. And so at his funeral, just before the funeral directors closed the casket, she walked up and she put a box inside and then they closed the lid, sealed it. The wife's friend said, please tell me you weren't foolish enough to put all of that man's money in that casket. The wife said, well, I can't lie. She said, I promised him that I would put that money in the casket with him, and so I did. You mean to tell me that you put all of his money in that casket? And she said, I sure did. She said, I wrote him a check. We've all heard it said, you, you can't take it with you. And that's true. Some have said you've never seen a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I mean, you can't take it with you. We all understand that tonight. You line your casket with $100 bills, and they're going to rot with you. Unless some scoundrel knows that, and he'll come dig you up. He'll take it. You can't take it with you, but listen to me, church. This is a biblical principle right here. You can send it on ahead. Well, preacher, where does the Bible say that? In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where 
thieves do not break through nor steal. And we might say where banks never fail and where there's no recession and, and the stock market doesn't decline. And then he said this very telling statement, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Preachers have said this for years. Show me your checkbook or your credit card statement, and I'll show you where your heart is. That's true. That's a biblical statement. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Folks, we can't take it with us. But we can send it on ahead. You say, well, preacher, how can you do that? I'll tell you one way is by investing in the Lord's work. Every dime, every penny, every dollar, every $50 you give to missions, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Every time you give toward a need in the church, you're laying up treasure in heaven. I'm I'm giving it away on earth. I understand that. But the Lord, listen, I don't know how this works. But I'm telling you, God keeps records. We are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And then let's wrap it up with with myth number five, verses 18 through 20. It's the ability myth. The ability myth says that the ability to both earn and enjoy money is of ourselves. The ability to earn and enjoy money is of ourselves. Look at it, verse 18. Here's how Solomon destroys that myth. He said, Behold that which I have seen. Now notice this, church. It is good. You see that? It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him. For it is his portion. Every man, look at this, every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, This is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. Let me share a couple thoughts with you real quick. We'll be done. Number one, the ability, listen, the ability to earn money comes from God. You know what that means? Contrary to popular opinion, there are no, I'm talking zero, zilch, nada, zippo. There are no self-made men. You've heard people say, well, Donald Trump, he's a self-made man. No, he's not. 
Well, Bill Gates, he started out in the garage. He's a self-made man. No, he's not. There are no self-made men or self-made women. They don't exist. Every person who ever earned a dime did so with the heart, mind, soul, strength, talents, and opportunities supplied to them by God. Deuteronomy 8.18 makes it unmistakably clear when it says this. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He, He, God, that giveth thee, you, me, power to get wealth. And let's not forget tonight that what God gives... God can take away. Just ask Job. And I don't want to be unkind tonight, but I'm going to say this, and we know this is a reality, that in a heartbeat, you can spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair being fed through a straw. And people who love you wiping drool from your mouth. Don't forget that it's God who gives us the ability to work. He gives us the mind. He gives us the skill. Whatever you do for a living is because God has gifted you to do that. God gifts us with the ability to earn money. And then I'll say this. The ability to enjoy money comes from God. To hear some talk, and I'm not one of them, I've never preached this, never will preach this. To hear some talk, you would think that it's a sin to be blessed. And it's a sin to be well off. And that it's a sin to enjoy it. But listen, we just read that that is the gift of God. Listen, if God chooses to bless you in a financial way and gives you opportunities to enjoy that, it is His gift. Don't apologize for God's blessings. I remember years ago, we had just moved into our home up on, on Apollo. And it's a nice home. And we're blessed to have it. And it was a pretty big step up from what we had. We had a pastor here preaching. We had him over to our home. And for some reason, I, I, just, I just felt, I don't know if embarrassed the word or what, but I started apologizing for you know, living in his house. And he looked at me and he said, Preacher, listen, don't ever apologize for God's blessings. I'm going to tell you, that has stuck with me for years. So can I tell you tonight, don't ever apologize for God's blessings. 
If God's given you wealth and the ability to enjoy it, then praise Him. Because the Bible says that it's good. But what is a sin is to enjoy the material and financial blessings of the Lord and never acknowledge that they came from Him. We talked a little bit about John D. Rockefeller who earned uh, the life-giving therapy of generosity before it was too late. In a 1905 interview, he said, God gave me money. I believe the power to make money is a gift from God. To be developed and used to the best of our ability for the good of mankind. Having been endowed with the gift I possess, he said, I believe it is my duty to make money and still more money, and to use the money I make for the good of my fellow man according to the dictates of my conscience. Now, I don't know that I would totally agree with those last statements. I think it ought to be, I ought to use it for the glory of God and for the good of man according to the dictates of the Word of God. That means I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give offerings. Okay? So I don't know that I adhered to everything that he said there. But here's what I'll say and I am done and we're going to pray. Wealth does not have to destroy lives. Wealth can serve the kingdom of God. Every good gift, the book of James, every good gift comes from God and it has a good and perfect use as long as we can find it and honor it then we honor him and all God's people said amen Amen. thank God for his goodness thank God for his gifts